lot of statistics that, are, that should be very troubling to our hearts tonight, and as well as how are we to respond to this. And uh, so before I go any further, I want to open up in prayer tonight. Yeah, thank you, JL and Miss Joanne, and, and uh, for, for leading us in worship tonight. And uh, that, that first hymn is one of my absolute favorites. And so praise the Lord for it. Uh, but let's, let's go ahead tonight and uh, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this night. Thank you for each one that's here. I'm grateful that we can gather, that we can worship you, that we can sing about the cross. We can sing about what you've done for us. Or we can sing as well, Lord, about the great benefits of knowing you. Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight to be drawn together in fellowship, to be drawn together in your word. God, that tonight that you would help us to be burdened for life, to stand for those and to speak for those who cannot stand or speak. God, that you would allow us to have hearts um, that are tender and that are conforming to your word in all things. But we love you. I pray that you would guide my heart and my mind tonight. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 139 tonight. Psalm 139. We're going to begin by looking at one of the most important scriptures when it comes to the pro-life movement, let alone one of the most beautiful passages in all of scripture to begin with. Dealing a Psalm of David, a prayer of, of this heart that is full of confidence in knowing who God is. A heart that is overwhelmed and overflowing with the goodness and the character of God, the faithfulness of God, and how the Lord knows us. And so tonight there is great hope devotionally in the sense that tonight God knows you, but as well apologetically there is the sense that because God knows us, we're going to see in just a moment that He has known us long before our parents even knew us. Therefore, we have purpose, we have meaning, and that life has purpose and meaning. Every single soul, every single child from the moment of conception until the very last breath you and I will ever take, life has meaning and purpose. Let's look here tonight. Psalm 139 verse 13 tells us, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. You ever stop, and we'll stop there for just a second, you ever stop and, and thought about this? When God creates the world and creates mankind, and creates Adam and Eve, He creates Adam and Eve to procreate. They are both naturally and biologically able then to procreate with one another, and her body is now fit to be the dwelling place of the next, really of the third human being. Adam and Eve were not born. They were formed. And here, these other children, ever since Adam and Eve, would be born of a mother and father, but yet still formed and fashioned by God. Think about the magnitude and magnificence of God's creation. He says in verse 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Some say if you want evidence of a creator or of a God, look to creation. I believe the greatest part of creation that we could look to to show that there is a God, let alone the God of the Bible, is to look at mankind. There is absolutely no scientific, numerical way that all of this 
as our bodies function and the way that they do, the way our brains operate, the way our eyeballs all the way down to our fingernails and, and, and every little thing about us clearly screams that there is a divine creator who has formed and fashioned us with purpose. He says, marvelous are thy works that my soul knoweth right well tonight. I, I will go ahead and, and make this statement. Even the soul who says and cries out for abortion rights, which is not rights of a mother, it is really the right to say that they can kill their child, they know very well in their heart that the child within them is a marvelous work of God. To deny that life is to deny God, and to deny God is to be an idolater. And the sad truth is that today, we have a new holocaust, not just of murderers and murders that have taken place, but an overwhelming majority of individuals who God would deem as idolaters at heart. And this is incredibly serious to God, therefore it should be incredibly serious to us. Marvelous are His works that my soul knoweth right well. Let me ask you tonight... If there was a seven-month-old baby here on the platform, helpless, without anyone to hold, naked, what would you immediately do? Pick it up. Now, what would you then do if it was a seven-year-old who came in, crying, scared, upset? Same thing, right? So what's the difference there, there, or in the womb? There absolutely is none. And we know it. The only difference between any of that, the only reason why anyone could say that inside the womb is different is because that person is doing all that they possibly can. Doctor, mother, father, all who are in favor of such atrocities. Recognize that all three are children, but they determine if that child is a person or not based upon if they are in the womb or outside of the womb. Can you imagine such? We're going to see a little bit later on. I'm going to give you some statistics and some development rates about what it's like to actually be a child in the womb, right? We've all been it, right? We just don't remember that trip too much, do we? Well, verse 15 tells us, My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect and in thy book all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. Look at this. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. The very reason why you would say that you'd pick up any of those children and help them is because your thoughts are great towards them because you look at them and you say they're helpless, they're hurting, that they're in great need of protection and love. God looks at every child from the moment of conception and looks at every individual until the day of their death, whether they are a week old or a hundred years old. God sees life the same, and it has the same intrinsic value. How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! Can you imagine that the God of the universe, the God of the heavens, the God who has formed and fashioned all of creation and holds it all in the palm of His hand, if you will. And that, by the way, those phrases are really just to help our finite brains try to understand the infinite. 
God is even greater than what we can imagine of trying to hold waters in His hands and, and just hold some world in His hands. Right? He is far too big for us to even wrap our brains around, let alone to try to begin to. And He thinks about you. He thinks about your heart and He cares about your heart. And not only does He know you, but He knows every single molecule in the universe. As it has been said, there are no rogue molecules. God knows all. And God cares about every single soul. How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great are the, is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with thee. Anyone ever counted the sand? Me neither. We can't do it, can we? Say you could even go to Myrtle Beach today and count every grain of sand that you could find. You still got more beaches to go, don't you? It's impossible. He says in verse 18, If I should count them, they are more than the number of the sand. When I wake, I'm still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. And the reason why I include those two last verses is because we have, uh, have to understand the severity of the way in which God views taking the innocent life that is in that womb. They are bloody men and bloody women who promote the murder that is called abortion. They are bloody men and bloody women who deny and speak and shake their fist at a God who loves them and thinks great thoughts towards them and their dear child. They would rather murder a child in the womb out of convenience, out of a heart of idolatry, out of a heart that says, I I just don't think I can. And by the way, saying I don't think I can or I don't know that I'm ready is not an excuse to punish an innocent one. Right? How about this? Take the seven-month-old or the seven-year-old that we've just placed up here, if you will, with our minds. If you get tired one day, or let's go over here, you got a seven-month-old crying, screaming, they're fed, diaper is changed, they're just screaming to scream, and you're tired of it. Does that give you the right to end that life? Of course not. You know what we call that? We call it murder. How about over here? A seven-year-old. And they're running around. they got little personalities and everything. They're, they're in school at this point. But they're not well-behaved. They're not doing good in school. You just don't have time for them. So what do you do? Is it now justified? Of course not. So how can it be in the womb? We don't get to decide when life matters. God already has. Now, turn forward with me to Proverbs chapter number 6. God has already told us in His Word up to this point in the book of Exodus, throughout the Pentateuch, throughout all of Scripture, thou shalt not kill. The word kill is murder. It is a premeditation. It is not an act of defense. Instead, it is an act of defiance. Notice the difference. Proverbs chapter 6 tells us this. In verse number 16, These six things doth the Lord hate. Hate 
here means hate, by the way. It means that he's totally against. He is even... Now, I don't think, honestly, that you and I can wrap our brains around what that would mean for God to be against something. To, to hear for the author to use the word that he hates. Here are these things. People say God is love. He does not hate. The Bible would call you a liar. God hates with a just and a loving hatred. He is vehemently against these things. He says, Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And here they are. A proud look. A lying tongue. And hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift and running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. And I can tell you that all of these would be found true of anyone who claims that abortion is okay. To say that abortion is okay is one of pride. It is a lying tongue because it speaks lies against the Word of God. It sheds innocent blood because it is shedding innocent blood. It is a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations because only a wicked imagination could say that it's okay to end a life when that life is innocent and in the womb of a supposed to be the safest place on earth. It is that same person who as well has feet that are swift and running to mischief. I've stood outside of Planned Parenthood several times with our youth group. We did not hold derogatory or terrible signs, but rather signs with Scripture. Signs that spoke about life. And I have seen young women and sometimes with their young male friend go into these places for nothing good and will hurl every insult that they have. And they're swift to do such. I've heard stories and I encourage you and, and if you want to know later, you can, you can certainly ask and I can certainly direct you to them to watch. Both available on, on YouTube, by the way, so it's free and easy of charge if you have internet. Ray Comfort's The 180 Movie, as well as another ministry um, put out um, two-part documentary called Babies Are Murdered Here, and then the second part, Babies Are Still Murdered Here, which deals a lot with what it's like to actually minister to these young women and to the actual arguments themselves and to what is actually happening politically. In those, there are some who tell these stories about those who claim to be Christian and will run to this mischief of ending their child's life and say, I'm a Christian, so God will forgive me. It's okay. There is forgiveness. But the mere fact that they know that they need forgiveness shows that they know it's wrong. No one has to teach you that it's wrong to lie. No one has to teach you that it's wrong to steal or to kill. You know it in your heart. The law of God written upon us. And then lastly, a false witness that speaketh lies and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Those who promote abortion do both of these things. 
in the church and outside of the church. And sadly, there are far too many in the church who refuse to call it what it is, and it is murder. And I will continue to use that word, and if it makes you feel uncomfortable, I'm not sorry. It's murder. I come tonight genuinely, and it doesn't often happen. Certainly every message that I would ever stand behind this pulpit and give is of the Lord, or I would stay seated. Tonight is certainly very heavy on my heart to present some of these statistics and some of these things. But as well, though, my heart is hopeful that there would perhaps be still yet time for us to speak the truth and love and to stand for those who cannot, to speak to those who cannot, but as well to minister to those who just genuinely are afraid and don't know any better and don't feel that they have anywhere else to turn to. I want them to know that the church should be the first place that they turn to. There is hope. There are resources. There is guidance. There is forgiveness. There is love. All the things of which church is supposed to be about. I want to begin here by giving some statistics worldwide, first of all, then we'll get into more of the United States and some different things as we go through. Um, Perhaps on a later date, I can put some of these things together if you are interested in having some of these statistics. First of all, there's an organization that you might have heard of, especially in the past couple years, probably didn't hear about them beforehand, called the World Health Organization. Or as we've heard them in the news, who, right? Uh, we kinda, the first time we heard it, we said, who are they? Right? All right, thank you, all right. <laughs> we wondered, who are they? We didn't know what they do, and, and to be honest, most of us would probably say that we don't believe half of what they say, and I'm not here to argue those statistics tonight. But I am here to give you what they do say as viewed as most, even on the left side or, or those of the pro-abortion side, would be considered a trustworthy group. They report that six out of ten of all unintended pregnancies end in an induced abortion. Let me break that down for you. What that means is that six out of ten people who get pregnant and say that they did not mean to get pregnant will end the life worldwide of that child. That's 60%. 60%. Around 73 million induced abortions take place worldwide each year in the world. By the way, these are the ones that are accounted for let alone the ones that are done and never reported. That number could be well over 100 million, and I would not bat an eye at that. Six out of 10, specifically 61% of all unattended pregnancies, and three out of 10 of all pregnancies end in abortion. Worldwide, for every 10 pregnancies, three mothers will decide to end the life of their child. Every, every two seconds, an abortion will take place, statistically speaking. To help you register that, you could feel your pulse on your wrist or on your neck. And every time you feel your heart beat, Another one has ended, an innocent one, in a womb, by a mother and a father that were supposed to love that child. 
brings in total in the past 50 years nearly what is accounted for roughly one and a half billion abortions in 50 years. One and a half billion souls. Right now our population in the world is around seven and a half to eight billion, depending on who you ask. It's more than several generations that have been lost. And how about this? 90% of Down syndrome babies are aborted. 90%. They have a chromosomal, not a mistake, but rather something that makes them different. Something that makes them smile more than us. Something that makes them be joyful and loving to everyone that they see. And nine out of ten mothers say, I don't want a child like that. Western European nations, by the way, have lauded that they have come to a place where they have nearly cured Down syndrome. The way in which they've cured it, and by the way, it needs no cure. The way that they've cured it is by killing them in the womb. It's not curing them, it's killing them. And these are Western European civilized nations. And what they're doing is committing one of the most gross and heinous acts of idolatry known to man. Has anyone ever heard in the Old Testament of the god Molech? that the pagan nations would sacrifice their children to, that even then led the nation of Israel to do the same? I want you to know that every time you hear these statistics, you can rest assured that Molech worship and child sacrifice is still very much in place today. It is absolute idolatry and pride. These are things of which God hates, but these are also things of which that God offers forgiveness through Christ. The U.S. abortion statistics. First of all, I want to give you this. Because this might matter to you. It matters to me. Average year, $830 plus million in profit for the abortion industry. Insane. People are getting rich over the promotion of killing innocent life. The total number of abortions roughly from 1973 to 2018 when it is considered to be legal since Roe versus Wade is well over at this point now what was given as 61.8 million. 61.8 million. I can't, I can't wrap my brain around how much that is, right? To, to maybe try to help you, has anyone ever been to a a professional sporting event stadium or a, maybe a NASCAR race or anything like that? Anybody? Right? Been to FedEx Field at the time, it held about 94,000 people and it was sold out. And we weren't even good. <laughs> Redskins were terrible then, still too, but you, people still went to the games. It would be like taking a couple hundred of those and then some 
and wiping them out. Can't fathom that. 186 abortions per 1,000 births. That's according to the CDC. Take that for what you want. U.S. abortions in 2017, 862,000. Now, there would be some who would say the past couple years the numbers did go down by a couple hundred thousand, but the numbers are still at around 700,000. That's however many that number is, too many. One is too many. The abortions per day in the United States, over 2,300. Abortions per hour, as you saw in your handout this morning, 98. 98. That means in just the U.S. alone, there's an abortion every 37 seconds. Then, of course, as we experienced earlier, every time your heart beats every two seconds, there's an abortion. 13 and a half abortions out of 1,000 women aged 15 to 44 in 2017. These statistics include only surgical and medical abortions, by the way, because many contraceptive measures are basically drugs that induce or cause abortions. They're just not called abortions. It is important not to overlook the number of children killed by chemical abortions. Since 1965, an average of 11 million women have used these methods of birth control in the United States, and it's not birth control. What it is, it's, it's abortion in a pill form. Using formulas based on the way the birth control pill works, pharmacy experts project that 14 million chemicals, abortions, uh, chemical abortions occur in the United States each year, providing a projected total of well in excess of 610 million chemical abortions between 1965 and 2009. When conducting research on abortion statistics, you may also encounter two different sets of numbers. One is from the CDC, and the other is from the Guttmacher Institute, which is the independent research arm of Planned Parenthood Federation of America. The Guttmacher Institute totals are actually the more accurate since the Institute conducts private research on abortion providers throughout the country. And because not all states are required to report to the CDC, in fact, California and New York, where high numbers of abortions occur, are not included in CDC figures. Planned Parenthood's income breakdown for 2019-2020 fiscal year. By the way, we can, you can have this debate with me later if you want to, but Planned Parenthood is not a place that offers help and hope. And we're going to see that in just a moment. And if these numbers don't show you that, I don't know what else will. Planned Parenthood non-government clinic income, 2019-2020, $370.4 million. Planned Parenthood donations revenue, meaning this is money that's given to them by people and groups, $510 million. Planned Parenthood government grants and reimbursements, $618.1 million. I want you to know that that is $618.1 million of your tax money in 2019 and 20 that went towards the murder of babies because the government supports it. The government applauds it. Government promotes it. The government doesn't just allow for it, they fund it. And if the government funds something, we fund it because the government is not self funded, are they? We pay them to sit up there and get richer and richer. We pay with our taxes. Think about that the next time you go to cast a vote. 
The total profit, 2019 and 20, 69.7 million. But the total income that came into them was 1.6 billion. 1.6 billion. Now here's their service numbers. In case that doesn't make you upset enough about the money, the number of abortions, medical and surgical, that Planned Parenthood accounted for in 2019 and 2020, 354,871. The total number of abortions per week, 6,824. Adoption referrals. Out of 354,871 abortions they performed, they referred a whopping 2,600 to be adopted. The ratio of adoption referrals to abortions is 1 per 133, which tells me that there are groups and individuals who would much rather see their child die than see their child in the arms of those who would love them. Unfortunately, the sad truth is that many of these young ladies who go to Planned Parenthood do not get to see their child, do not get to hear the heartbeat. And you say, well, there's plenty of heartbeat bills. I want to go ahead and... and I want to go ahead and have you understand this. The heartbeat bills that they promote right now, the pro-life movement and stuff, do you understand? And I encourage you to go watch those videos I referred to you earlier. It'll open your eyes a little bit. There are plenty of folks who go to an ultrasound or go to hear a heartbeat or go to these appointments to get this advice and things and never get to because of a faulty equipment, a faulty procedure, or a worker who is instructed and or does not care if that mother gets to actually understand that this is a human child. Heartbeat bills work about that much. What we need is to absolutely abolish the practice of murder. We would say that murder is illegal in another way. How about this? How does this make sense? And y'all tell me if I'm wrong on this. If there was a drunk driver who hit and killed a pregnant woman and both the mother and that child within her womb passed away, would they call it one manslaughter or one homicide? Or would they call it double? Double. How many times have we heard about that? In the news. Double. If the law would say it's double homicide, what do you think we should call a doctor? A murderer. What do you think we should call then the mother and the father? Planned Parenthood continues here. I want to give you now a, a little bit away from that. I've stood outside of those clinics while the doctors... while the doctors cheer. They jeer us and cheer what they're doing. We've stood on a sidewalk praying in a Planned Parenthood in Charlottesville. And, and, and I, I wish I could make it up. A church across the road a church diagonal next to it, and a church down the sidewalk. And not one of them comes. We would have a few who 
make their own individual stands and they come out there weekly to pray or some even every day to pray. And they would tell us that your group of teenagers and a couple of adults are the only ones that will come out as a group in a year. There's three churches. Only one of the churches will let us park to walk across the road. The other two will have you towed. So let me put it another way. There's a Planned Parenthood here. There's at least two buildings that aren't churches. And there's another one across the road that's at least nice enough to let us park. Who else should stand and speak for the life of the innocent more so than the Christian? I want to give you those some great things. And, and this is mind-boggling itself. The development of the child. This is according to ProLife.com and there's many other resources that you can find. Many other great detailed things about the development of the child. Just to maybe help us wrap our brains around this beautiful creation of life. How beautiful truly life is. And by the way, each one of you went through this process. All right, So I'm going to educate you about how your life started. You're welcome. Day one, conception takes place. Just seven days, a tiny human implants in mother's uterus. Ten days, mother's mensa stops. Eighteen days. Eighteen days. Do y'all know how long that is? It's two and a half weeks. Heart begins to beat. 21 days. You know how long that is? Three weeks. The baby pumps own blood through separate closed circulatory system with own blood type. Can you imagine that? Three weeks. You know when the vast majority... Let me ask you that. Stop there before I go any further. How many would say that's a human child at three weeks there? Right? There's no doubt that. No doubting that. The heart is beating... Pumping his own blood through his own circulatory system, his own blood type, the, the whole nine yards. And the vast majority of abortions take place in the first trimester, and some say, well, the, the child's not fully developed. How long's the first trimester? Same as every other. Three months. All right, y'all ready for this? 28 days. All right, it's about a month. Eye, ear, and respiratory system begin to form. 42 days. Brain waves recorded, skeleton complete, reflexes present. You know what the reflexes present means? It means that it has reflexes. It literally moves and reacts and responds. If the vast majority of abortions take place in the first trimester, then what this means is that these babies don't have a clue as to why their mom or whatever this is now inside of their little home is trying to kill them. And they will react and respond. And if you don't believe me tonight, I did not bring the video because there's plenty of them out there. To be honest, it's probably too graphic for tonight, but you're more than welcome to see these things. Baby responds because it's a human being. If I was coming at anyone in here tonight to try to threaten or harm physically, what would you do? Would you react? I would hope so. So does that child in that womb. At 42 days. 42 days is a month and a half, people. Seven weeks. 
photos at seven weeks, these little child, little children sucking their thumbs. Seven weeks. Eight weeks, all body systems are present. To break that down for you, that means that all body systems are present. At two months. Nine weeks, squinting, swallowing, moving of tongue, making a fist. Eleven weeks, spontaneous breathing movements, has fingernails, all body systems working. Twelve weeks, weighs one ounce. One ounce, and all of this is taking place. Twelve weeks is the first trimester, and that's when 80% of abortions take place. And the church of God remains silent. Unfortunately, what happened in the 1930s and 40s in Europe is that folks remained silent and millions were boxed away in cars because they were said that they were not fully human. That the Jews and the Gypsies and the gays weren't human, therefore, or even anyone who is not white, Anglo-Saxon, who is not like us, and we can ship them in box cars, strip them naked, put them into rooms, and gas them to death, and put their bodies in mass graves. Now, and that's just barely scratching the surface of the horrors of what you and I know as the Holocaust. And there is another Holocaust that has been taking place for quite some time now too. But instead of being adults and children being shipped away in boxcars, it's mothers who are being driven by fathers to a place like Planned Parenthood where they're supposed to be offered options and help and hope. Instead, falling prey to this. 16 weeks, genital organs clearly differentiated, grasped with hands, swims, kicks, turns, somersaults, still not even yet felt by the mother. 18 weeks, the vocal cords work. They can cry. And we're fine with killing them at this point still. They can cry, they can react, they can move, they can feel. They can feel. Don't tell me that there's a right to do this because there's not. 20 weeks, the child has hair on their head, weighs one pound, 12 inches long. 23 weeks, there's a 15 chance of viability outside of the womb if birth is premature. 24 weeks, 24 weeks, all right? 56% of babies survive that. 25 weeks. Just one more week. 79% of babies survive that. Don't give me this garbage that's healthcare. Don't give me this garbage that well, we don't know what kind of life they're going to have. I want you to know it doesn't matter what you think they might have. We all might have a bad life. And even those who have a great life still have bad parts of their life. And that's why it's life. But life still matters and life still must be allowed to live. There are three abortion classifications. Surgical abortion, medical abortion, and chemical abortion. They're defined as follows, and I'm going to do my best um, to just simply read this. 
to offer nothing else. There are pictures available, and you can see for yourself with your own eyes. Surgical abortion. These are abortions that involve an invasive procedure. Major types of surgical abortions include suction aspiration. This is the procedure most often used in the first trimester of pregnancy, the first three months. And what did we establish in the first three months? The baby feels. The baby is <laughs> moving around. Everything's functioning. The abortionist inserts a suction tube similar to a vacuum hose with an extremely sharp end into the mother's womb. The suction and cutting edge dismember the baby while the hose sucks the body parts into a collection bottle. This is what you've seen in the news of it being sold. That's how it happens. And there is what is called the DNC. In this procedure, the abortionist uses a loop-shaped knife to cut the baby into pieces, scrape the uterine wall. The baby's body parts are then removed and checked to make sure that no pieces were left in the mother's womb. This is also incredibly dangerous for the mother. There are many who... Many mothers who then can never have children again. Many mothers who have often had medical emergencies during these procedures. There's well then a DNX, which is what you and I would call a partial birth abortion. This happens as late as 32 weeks old, well into the third trimester. The abortionist essentially pulls the baby out, feet first, goes inside the mother's womb, makes a hole inside the baby's skull, removes the child's brains, and the forceps then crush the rest to pull the rest out. They don't tell you that, though. The DNE was used in the second trimester especially. Once more, forceps are used to do the same thing. Then you have also the hysteronomy, which is essentially a C-section, where the baby then is taken out from the abdomen of the mother to be removed. And as you have unfortunately heard in the news at times when this has happened and gone all wrong, is then placed to the side to die or is given something to allow it to die. At 32 weeks, 25 weeks, 80% survive and will live long, healthy lives. There is well then what is called medical abortions. These are abortions that involve the administration of drugs specifically intended to abort the child. Common drugs used. Um, there are several. Um, the first medical ones, uh, the first ones are certainly, surgical ones are certainly graphic. The medical ones are as well. Um, there is one called salt poisoning, which is basically... Um, essentially where the baby is drowned in salt water and then with the mass quantity of salt water and the solution that is used to not just suffocate the child, basically to drown the baby, um, it unfortunately burns the child 
from the inside out. Up to this point, then a couple of days later, the mother then delivers a dead child. Can you imagine the trauma of such a thing for the mother and that child? I can't either. There's several other types. And then there's as well what we would call the chemical abortions. These are drugs that at least some of the time prevent the implantation of the already created baby in the uterine lining. Some of the more popular methods of birth control that can be responsible for the deaths of newly created children include the following. I will hit on only one, which is what you and I probably hear the most, which is Plan B. Plan B is believed to act as an emergency contraceptive because that's how it's promoted and told, isn't it? But principally, by preventing ovulation or fertilization, by altering the tubal transport port, of sperm and or ova. In addition, it may inhibit implantation by altering the whole nine yards. So what do we do? First, I want to offer hope that for anyone who has gone through such, done such, or knows anyone of such, and for everyone who has ever done this, that there is hope, that there is peace, there is forgiveness at the foot of the cross that we've just sung about. There is restoration and redemption. And if you would be saved one day, you'll see your child in glory. But as well as I would encourage us to know that much of what you and I hear about being the pro-life movement would have left this room by me saying the things I've said tonight because one, they say, well, don't call it murder. After I've just told you how it's happened, what else could you call it? After I've just told you how the child develops, what else could you call it? They are the same group and the same groups of people who say, we don't want to call it murder, we just want to call it, you know, a bad decision, or we'll call it a, an abortion, this sort of thing. And we don't want to name call. We just want to love them to Jesus. I want you to know you will only love them just as Jesus did and just like Jesus did with every single soul they dealt with. He openly showed their sin. Some would point, well, what about the woman at the well? Yeah, he did that then too. We must understand that sin is sin, wrong is wrong, right is right. And we don't get to decide what is right and what is wrong. God has already done that for us. We simply must submit to it. And you and I as believers must proclaim it louder than anybody else. And there is coming a day, and I believe we're already there, where the church has fell silent. Decade after decade, while 60-some million have been killed in our own country, the church has slept at the cry of 60-some million innocent lives. I believe for us individually what we must do is if we have not understood the severity, if we have not spoken this truth, if we have not stood for those who can't, if we have not spoken for those who are not able to, if we have not offered life and hope to those mothers 
or support those who can, we should repent. The church has been silent, sleeping, and at best, complacent. In Germany, after the Allies had taken and begun gaining the ground, <clears throat> they did not know this was going on until they got there and they discovered these death camps where they found human beings that looked nothing more than skeletons. Very few survived. They found the places of death. They found the mass graves. They found the, all the atrocities. You know what the Allies did? They recorded it. Photos and video. So that no one in existence could ever deny it. And yet there are billions in our world today that deny that the Holocaust ever happened. But something else the Allies did that I absolutely applaud them for. They, didn't, they then went to the towns and the villages. The towns and the villages outside of these death camps that saw the smoke of bodies being burned, that saw the boxcars come in. And they brought these villagers and townspeople into these camps and they marched them through, many of which grew physically sick and wept and wailed because then they said, now we know what was going on. Tonight I've done my best to walk you through the death camp that is not just Planned Parenthood, but all the abortion industry worldwide. May we not leave this camp unchanged. May we not leave this camp and say, it's not as bad as he says. I wish it wasn't. May we absolutely pray desperately. I want you to know all the voting, all the politics, and all the bills in the world will not stop someone committing murder if they want to. We would say that about the Second Amendment, wouldn't we? Right? We're Carroll County Rednecks. Let's say that, right? We would all say, well, it's not going to stop. If someone wants to murder, they'll murder. The same is sadly true in our nation, but what we must do is pray desperately for the merciful hand of God upon everyone who has been silent, upon everyone who has promoted this, upon everyone who has acted out upon this, upon everyone in our nation and in this world who has thought it necessary in the past 50 years that we know of to murder 100, excuse me, to murder 1.5 billion worldwide. Not only do we need to pray desperately, but we need to proclaim the truth and love desperately. It would be those who would say, well, you know, it's not good to stand outside or it's not good to, you know, say the, the murder word. Say it because I love the soul that needs Christ. I love the soul that needs Christ and needs to keep their baby or needs to seek what's best for their baby. We need the truth spoken, but we need to do so with the love not just for that innocent child in that womb, but for that mother who oftentimes and unfortunately is coerced 
scared and manipulated into doing such things. And we need to love them and to share with them Jesus and the fact that there is hope and that not only does that child have purpose, hope, and and a life worth living, but so do they. We need to vote. We need to write. Pray, proclaim, call out. But above all else, we need to love God. Love His Word. Love people. Tonight, as we close, may we pray and begin to pray and to have our hearts changed as we have now walked through a camp of things that we cannot unsee. So what will we do? I would say this. As we look around in our nation that we love, <clears throat> the smoke is rising. The boxcars are coming in. The cries are out. We can either turn our eye close our ears, go on about our day, or stand for what is right. Stand for life. To stand for life is to stand for Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one who gives everlasting life. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the one who has given life to all creation and holds all life, and without Him there is no life. He is the one who forms and fashions us in our mother's womb. He is the one who thinks great thoughts and many thoughts toward us, including not just that child in the womb, but that scared mother who needs hope and love. Let us pray. Father, we come to you tonight. God, come to you with heavy hearts. Many of us, maybe tonight, God, I don't know, have, have heard some of these things for the first time, have maybe thought about these things for the first time, and Lord, it should be troubling. It should be more than troubling. God, help us to, to love You and Your Word and to love life enough to where we would stand up and speak out, that we would express Your love to these young ladies who desperately need it, who desperately need support and actual help, who need love and forgiveness and, 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 and people to love them and to be there for them and to walk with them through this life. God, help us as well <clears throat> to love those children. Help us as well, God, to help and love and support and edify one another, God, so that we together would speak out in this generation and in this world. God, help our hearts to break for what breaks yours. Help us to love You and love this world enough to tell them the truth and to point them not to our ideologies and philosophies and political arguments, but ultimately, God, to bring them back to Scripture. Because, Lord, outside of Your Word and outside of Your Spirit, we have no hope. We have nothing to stand on. God, Your Word is enough. Your truth is enough. And what You've given is enough to show us the atrocities of our day. God, I ask for Your mercy. Upon a nation and a world that would be okay with doing such things, 
God, be merciful. Lord, we do not deserve it, but I pray for it. I pray for Your grace and Your mercy to be bestowed, and Lord, that lives would be saved. Not just those dear, sweet, innocent children in the womb, but God as well. Lives of souls that don't know You, that are scared, that don't have a clue, that have nowhere to turn. God, that they would turn to You. God, that You would save to the uttermost. Lord, may we see Your redemption in our life and in this day. God, may we by Your grace and mercy see the abolition of such an atrocity and may we see hearts and lives transformed and changed and turned to You. God, help our hearts now turn to You tonight. May we be filled by You. May we trust You. May we walk before You. God, use us this week and meet the need of every heart. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.